Welcome back to the Chosen Life Podcast. Today's guest is not just a money man. He is our money man. He is the money man. Mr. Zachary Rain of Rain Finance. Zach, welcome back to the Chosen Life. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. You know, I I really I like the money man name that that really has a ring to it. But uh, it's always a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I know you're very excited because today is Dave uh, taping is August 9th. We're taping in the evening. I'm having my first coffee of the day. It's been one of those days, Zach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but today is known now as a new holiday in Toronto. It is now Martin Jones Day. Yeah, the I know. Martin Jones era has begun for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Zach, did you fall off your seat in excitement at this signing, or how do you feel about it? I, it's funny because I was on I was on Twitter during lunch, and uh, X I, X it's called X. Or, sorry, X. Yeah, X. I was on X. You were Xing. Um, yeah, exactly. I was I was Xering, um, and it was funny. The Leafs posted it, and I'm like, okay, that's it's a good signing, good depth. I have no problem with Martin Jones. I think he's uh, mid-tier to higher quality backup um and at a good price point you know a year contract you can't really be mad at either um so i was like oh yeah good for them and then i went on twitter i'm like a thousand likes like a thousand likes already people people are pretty happy about this and just rolling through the comments everybody's very happy with with this this acquisition should we call it or signing um but yeah i i like it i think as far as you know a second or third string backup goalie, no complaints here. I'm a little nervous, Zach, because reading through the lines here, uh, Joseph Wall is our backup. I can't see how we're going to get this guy on our team and pass him through to the minors because apparently he has to be claimed on waivers. So Martin Jones' era may in fact be a short one unless he plays okay, nobody takes him, goes down to the Marlies, and he's there for support, I guess. It's one of those funny things, right? You could have a $100 million cap in your uh, minor league system because it doesn't count, right? So you can have all yeah. these guys sitting away, but most people making that money do not want to go play in the minors. No, I I wonder. I Because I, I think that he is a hedge on waivers. So I think you're right. There's there's that there because they don't want to lose wool. Um, I also think that there's new, and I don't know them fully, but I think there's new emergency backup goaltender rules where if like it's a last minute injury or something like that, they can call them up through through a different system than the waiver system, the waiver wire. Um, I don't know if I'm completely honest with you. Um, and considering Wool and Samson are injured every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, um, definitely not a bad idea to have them available. So we'll see. You mean this Zambroni driver uh, rule? Yeah, exactly. Well, they, they, that's exactly it, right? They created it after the Zamboni drivers. There we go. And we don't really want Zamboni drivers being our goalies. But that is not the topic of today or Martin Jones. We've got a lot to cover today. Today is going to be a fun day because it's going to be all about hockey. And we're all just sitting there and kind of left in shell shock over the Eric Carlson trade. Eric with a K, turns out. So Eric <laughs> Carlson with two S's. Oh, just spelling this guy's name is complicated. Now, Zach, <laughs> I wanted to start off with, you know, saying that I was very skeptical about this move, given his recent play of, of late years. I mean, he had a great tra uh, deal last year um, as far as stats wise, you know, finishing with 101 points and nobody's done that in quite a while. And that obviously got people excited. But I thought mm -hmm. to myself, you know what? The guy's been around for a while. Got to be late 30s, early 40s. 
no, he's only 33 years old, Mr. Carlson. Yeah, no, he he's one of those guys where so I've I've seen him play twice. I saw Toronto play San Jose last year, and I saw um I saw him play in Ottawa years and years and years ago. Um, and my first impression of him was like, holy hell, that guy can skate. Like he he floats on the ice. Then when I saw him play uh San Jose against the Leafs, he he really drives the puck. The guy, he's a puck mover. He, you know, what Roman Yossi's been touted to be so good at over these last few years, um, and earned him so much respect. And you know, Norris, you know, Norris at least namings. Um Carlson's better. He just he is. Now he's had a couple bad years um prior to you know obviously his 101 point season yeah four bad years um but i don't know if here's the thing if dubis gets 2022 carlson great trade if dubis gets 2018 carlson he's gonna be hating that 10 million dollar hit thing is though playing with Sidney crosby and malkin kind of help things along don't they makes a yeah, lot of people look really good out there it's it's funny because he says like I'm so excited to be playing on a contender and everyone's like wow they didn't even make the playoffs last year, but you got Sidney Crosby and Malkin on your team you're a Stanley Cup contender every year I'm sorry, so I got so many questions that are flowing through my mind so I'm gonna try to keep them in order. My first question to you is Zach is why is Eric Carlson not a Toronto Maple Leaf today? So Dubis was he said it in his press conference. Um, he said that he was trying to get Carlson on the Leafs for the playoff run last year. Um, why isn't he? It's he is not a Maple Leaf for the same reason that if I'm being completely honest, I don't necessarily see the reason that he should have been a Pittsburgh Penguin. Um, so you like Carlson, when you look at the value that he brings to a team, smooth skater, great puck mover, tons of skill on the backhand to drive and play forward, which is you know great. Um, but you know, that's an offensive defenseman, right? Like there's not a position on the ice called an offensive defenseman. There's just a position called defenseman, right? Um, you have a poor man's Eric Carlson, which it's not such a large jump down in, in Chris Letang. Cause I think Chris Letang is fantastic. Um, but he is, he is no Eric Carlson. Um, so I don't see really a reason to have both of them. Um, and it's the same reason I don't see him being a Maple Leaf. We got Morgan Riley, who up until last year's playoffs, I was not a fan of him, but he was spectacular. Great skating, puck moving, defensive, good at driving play, offensive defenseman. So I, I really don't think you need more than one, maybe two of those on your team. And, you know, I definitely don't think you need two of Carlson's and Latang's caliber. Um, I would have, I would have definitely, and I think that's where Brendan Shanahan and Tree Living are going to come in and it's probably why Shanahan if anything nixed the trade to him becoming a leaf because I'd rather a six foot five monster who will just beat the living hell out of whoever's in front of the net so that that to me okay so next question for you is like this so this trade was taking a while to make everybody knew he was going to Pittsburgh pretty much Carolina was not going to happen but the issue was we had to find a third team everybody searched around for this third team why did the Montreal Canadiens step up and help Dubis and the Penguins in this case? Did, did it really benefit them? I think I think the Habs walked out better than anybody in that trade, if I'm being honest. Um, they got Jeff Petrie back, who, you know, he, he's a little bit of a he's a little bit of a putz, but 
I think I think he's still a good right. He's still six foot two, six foot three, strong right-handed defensemen, which are more than hard enough to come by. So if he can keep his mouth shut and play hockey properly, then the Canadians got him for practically nothing. So I'm, yeah, I but they did get that. my boy Casey DeSmith. They did the Smith. I was. I think he's I was very looking, underrated as a goaltender. I think I he's going to do well there. I think he's going to do well I, there. I agree. I don't know. I was looking at it. And I'm trying to figure out. I'm like, why did why did they have to move to Smith in this trade? Like, he's exactly he's the 1.8 million that they needed for when Jake Gensel comes back. He was just he's a sacrifice of poor cap management. But is this this it boiled down to? If I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to analyze this trade because it's a lot of capology involved with this. But essentially, Pittsburgh did not have dollars to be able to take on Carlson. Now they fit Carlson into the cap and, and still have three million to play with, if I'm not mistaken. So they have six million right now with Gensel on LTIR. When Gensel comes back, they'll be pretty much even at the cap height. Uh, it's it's another reason I just don't think Pittsburgh is going to be a Stanley Cup contending team because like their top six forwards are great. Their top really even three defensemen because they picked up Graves as well, who I, I've always been a fan of Ryan Graves on when he was on New Jersey as well. Um, and so, you know, their top three defensemen are also like very good. You're Carlson, the Tang Graves, and even uh, Patterson or Peterson, however you pronounce his name, it's not a bad defenseman. So they're not bad. They're going to be a good team, but they're bottom six. They have Nola Chari, which... You know, we loved him on the Leafs, um, but that's pretty much it on their bottom end. Um, so we'll see. The one thing Dubas did really well in this trade, which I'll credit him to, is he dumped a lot of underperforming cap. Like Grandland on Pittsburgh didn't do much. Petri or Petrie on, on Pittsburgh didn't do much. Also huge cap hit. So, you know, those two are major wins to begin with uh, in, in getting rid of the, those, you know, that useless dollars. So from the Penguins' point of view, did they get much else with Carlson? I'm looking at these names: Dylan Hamilak, Ram Pitlick. No. They sound they don't sound very impressive to me. No, Pitlick is a fourth liner. He if he gets you know 30 or 40 points this next year, I'd say he's probably going to have the season of his life. Um, otherwise, not really. There's one team I can't remember got a first rounder. I think it may have been San Jose, Pittsburgh's first rounder, or whatever it is. That's... Correct. They got tw- the 2024 first rounder. Yeah, I think that's probably the most value of anyone that was traded aside from Carlson and Petrie. We also have Pittsburgh's 2025 second rounder and San Jose's 2026 third rounder. Ooh. Now, yeah. <laughs> are, are the Sharks basically left with a first rounder and a pile of beans? Like, yes. you know, in normal sports, you know, back in the day, Zach, before all this cap stuff was around, you used to get value for your star players. You used to get like two or three top prospects. Now, you're basically happy to get them off your salary cap and on your way so did they did they really get any value here or was that salary just such a hindrance for the acquisition of talent i think it's one of those things where the guy didn't want to be there so you kind of have to do right by him um on the same token you know a couple high round picks is great and the fact that they really didn't have to and like like don't forget we're in, a, in an era now where one one million dollars of cap money is huge right so the fact that they didn't really retain much of any cap is also pretty good. It's pretty big for San Jose. So, I mean, look at Carlson. You know, back in the day, he was in Ottawa, Ontario. For all you people in the states and Europe, etc., Ottawa is uh, capital of uh, Canada. But uh, good luck in finding. It's kind of in between Toronto and Montreal. We get lost, you'll find Ottawa. So, Carlson finds his way to San Jose. Signs that big deal. Besides that 101-point season in San Jose, 45, 
40, 22, 35 points a year. Yeah. He was not heading in the right direction here. Now, no. they must they must feel that he's discovered something as far as what was going wrong with him. They're thinking he's healthy now. He's got everything on track. They must because otherwise this season is a really big aberration. But, man, he was a really solid player all year. Like, we got to give him credit. People are talking about him all year. And for a really bad Sharks team to get that points number, I would say kudos to him. He earned it. No, absolutely. Um, I think there was the injury problems that plagued him. Um, on top of that, I think moving Brenton Burns out did something for him. I don't know. Like looking at that team and watching them play, I think Brent Burns was still your certified number one, um, even though Carlson was on the team, which maybe somebody didn't want to understand or hear or appreciate. But now you got Burns out. He's in Carolina. It's like it's you or no one, Carlson. Like you you got to drive the bus. So maybe that did something for him, too. I don't know. We'll see. Brent Burns, uh, where was he drafted originally? Yeah, I know. Um, I think he was drafted to uh, Toronto, no? Burns, uh, not that I'm aware of, but uh, no, he was—he's from I, Toronto. Yeah, but I—I I, I, I could have sworn it was Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken, but I could be wrong. Was it, I could look it up right now. Yeah, look it okay. up while we're talking. But the reason why I tell you is because I know somebody who was very high on Brent Burns. It was Brent Burns' dad. I actually got to meet Brent Burns' dad. Oh, really? Yeah, and I'm like, no way, you're Brent Burns' dad. And he showed me his uh, license. He showed me all the pictures on his cell phone. I'm like, okay, I guess you're Brent Burns' dad. And this is before Brent Burns became Brent Burns. Before he became, like, he was always a top prospect, but before he really blossomed. This is when he was still a left winger. He was still like, eh, you know? Yeah. Now, I would tell you, any team would love to have Brent Burns on their team. Like, how good would he look on the Leafs? Come on. I, Come yeah, on. sorry. He's Minnesota and... Um, Minnesota, there you go. I, I would have killed. When, he, when when I found out that he was on the move from San Jose, yeah. I was I was, um, I was on Twitter hockey just gods? scrolling, praying to the hockey gods, looking up Leafs trade rumors, Leafs trade rumors, Leafs trade rumors. God, he, he is like the perfect defenseman for what the Leafs need. So now, why is Carlson not a hurricane? Simple dollars? Dollars. Hurricanes are already cap-pressed. We're going to have to get rid of another defenseman soon, too. So if you're going to look in your crystal ball now and say, what kind of season you think Carlson's going to have in Pittsburgh? You don't know what the injury status is going to be. You don't know how mm -hmm. the team's going to perform. But if you're a betting man now, where do you see a season playing out? For that I see him... I see him around 85 points. I see him plus for the first time in a while, which I think will be really nice for him. Um, probably playing 75, maybe 74 games. I don't think that they're going to run him ragged. Um, you know, better better to do wear and tear, not to mention. But that, that to me, I have to put a condition on that. That to me is a condition on Chris Letang. Right, like if Chris Letang can stay healthy and play games, then that's the result. If not, then he's going to drive the bus. I just got on this, the, yeah. On, on defense, at least on defense, he will. He won't drive the bus entirely. I feel like looking at Crosby and Malkin across the locker room. I feel like he's going to be very energized and very, very happy with life. I think he's going to beat his hundred-one point season. I really? Think, yes, I think this will be his last big year. But I think he's going to come out flying. I see good things for. Mr. Carlson this year, and I'm very excited for him. And this was ultimately the best spot for him, I think, as far as if you can go to a quote-unquote contender, play with the big boys. I mean, aside from going to Edmonton, right? But there's a, mm -hmm. it, there's a funny thing. There's, a, there's like another reason why Dubas is in Pittsburgh, for example. There's something about the allure of the Penguins, 
Lemieux, Jagger, Crosby. There's just a feeling around that town. It's a very special hockey town. And it's just something very special with sitting there with, with Crosby versus going to Edmonton. And obviously we know what's going on with McDavid and Dreisaitl. But Pittsburgh is a just different creature. And that gives me a segue to our another topic, which is at the end of the day, Kyle Dubas found his way to Pittsburgh. Okay. Mm-hmm. We all kind of saw the writing on the wall on this, you know, it was funny how it played out. Cause we know Pittsburgh was looking for a GM. They fired Hextall. Right. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of holding off, holding off. And then, you know, uh, Dubas has his press conference. Where he says, you know, I got to reassess things and everything else. Everybody was sure he's coming back. I want I can't see myself, you know, employed by another team. And then the next day they have a press conference. Oh, he's fired by the way. Next press conference. Oh, by the way, I'm on my way to the Penguins. We all saw this coming. Yeah. Let's start off now with the Maple Leafs. You know, you take a look, you know, I, I always bring it up as, as far as the comparison, but you look at Alex Anthopoulos in baseball, right? Mm-hmm. You had him with the Blue Jays, what he put together with the Blue Jays. And then there was a power struggle. So Anthopoulos said, you know what? I don't need to deal with this. He goes off to the Dodgers. He becomes an assistant GM whatever he was over there, VP. And then he goes off to the Braves and he wins a World Series with the Braves. Is Dubis the next Anthopolis? And this is what he's going to do for Pittsburgh. Did the Maple Leafs screw up by losing their boy genius? No, I listen. I think the boy genius, if we're being honest, is their their cap cruncher. Um, Dubis did an okay job after his first few mistakes, which, you know, that's just growing pains with a, a new GM, um, especially one who's never been a, a GM in the, in the pros. Um, so well, I shouldn't say pros, because I guess the AHL is still considered pros in the NHL. Um, but I think it was growing pains. And then after that, he, he, he had a transitional period where he was still being a GM for a good AHL team. And I think, I, I think Shanahan must've started breathing down his neck and getting, you know, much, bigger size players. And I think that's the value in tree living. Cause at the end of the day, it's like I said, like why does Pittsburgh need another better version of Chris Latang? They, they already have one. So, you know, for 10 million bucks, 10 million bucks, you could get two big solid mean defensemen that are still puck moving defensemen. And that could, that could uh, move that net. Like if you look at, I was reading an article. If you look at the Las Vegas golden Knights, that team would still eat Pittsburgh up they would eat their lunch they would take them out it wouldn't even be close the florida panthers would beat the hell out of pittsburgh because at the end of the day you need that physical presence to make it long in the playoffs and like you're not getting out there carlson so So, the thing with dubis this is right or wrong maybe it's unfair but i feel like if you look back at the early history of the setup when he came in right we mm-hmm. had that three-headed monster of a GM in Toronto, right? We had Lou Lamarillo, Mark Hunter, and Kyle Dubas. When we had the three of them in place, I felt a lot better. We got a good brain trust going here with Shanahan president. Things felt really good. And then Mark Hunter eventually wasn't too happy about the setup. He goes back to London. Lamarillo's not happy. He goes to the Islanders. All of a sudden, they're making the playoffs. Now we're left with Dubas. I feel like Dubis is riding on the coattails of that setup a little bit. He hasn't shown as much on his own. Mm-hmm. And even now, if I'm going to be totally transparent, I don't know what he was thinking making himself GM. I would have gone and been the president. Like he set up, you would get the same salary. Go put in a puppet GM. And then something goes wrong. That's uh, the GM's fault. 
What am I supposed to do about it? See Shanahan, right? Did Shanahan yeah. go and make himself a GM? No, he doesn't because it's nice and cushy in the president job. So I thought he had the common sense to do that, but he's like, you know what? I'm so damn good at this job that I might as well just be doing it all at this point. Like he might as well name, name himself head coach also. I think, I think he's gonna rue that day as far as staying in the trenches as a GM because the buck is only gonna come and stop with him now. And if there's a problem with him as GM, he's not just gonna lose his GM job, he's gonna lose his presidency as well. Yeah, I'm with you. I see what you're saying. I didn't even think of it that way, but you're right. There's probably going to be the big bucks, play. brother. That's exactly right. That's why you're chosen. You've been touched by God. Um, but yeah, I don't know. you're right. It's not a smart move. I guess it's probably all of his frustrations with having to coordinate with Brendan Shanahan. He figured it might as well be the whole uh, whole chain of command, which, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I think he's going to rue the day too because Pittsburgh just. I, I don't want to doubt Sidney Crosby, but Pittsburgh, I don't think they got another run in them. And it's that kind of elephant in the room, but one more concussion, and you may not be seeing Sid the kids so many times anymore. Like it's it's scary if you think about his injury record and how much he's been able to produce given it. But concussions is a very scary thing. And when you've had a few of them in your career, all it takes is one, plus he's getting up on years. Uh there isn't that much behind in the bank once you take Crosby and take Malkin out of the equation. But that being said, if they are both healthy or fairly healthy, I'd rather take those two than the top two lines of any other team. No, I, I'm I'm with you. I'd still take Crosby over McDavid, which is going to be an extremely unpopular opinion. Um, but you got one guy who's got proven winning success and a guy who just knows how to win hockey games, playoffs, championships. Um so I'm with you. I love Crosby, but it's like you said, you know, I think the guy's like 36, 37 years old now. He's been in the NHL almost 20 years. You know, he, he's he's not he's not what he used to be, though he's still fantastic. He's just not what he used to be. And I don't think there's a team around him like he once had. So I guess we are in agreement that at this point in time, don't think the Leafs are going to miss Kyle Dubas. No, I don't think so. I already think that the moves Tree Living has made are better than anything Dubas has done in a while. First of all, his press conferences are awesome. <laughs> it's just great because I feel like if you invite Brad to dinner, Brad's going to be very social. He'll be a good guest. Kyle Dubas is going to spend the whole night telling you about why he's so great. That's how I mm -hmm. feel like the, two, the difference between the two. I like his moves as well, which we're going to get to in a moment. But really, I don't think they're cut from that different of a cloth at the end of the day. I think that he's also a risk taker, smart guy. Let's be honest. You can't make major moves without running by ownership anyways. So mm -hmm. I'm glad that they got somebody with some pedigree. Um, look, he, he's going to get faulted for what happened in Calgary as far as that trade with the Panthers go. But his hands were tied. What was he going to do? Like, No, exactly. There was, I mean, your guy wants to get traded and he wants to go to the Panthers. What are you going to do? You know, we're seeing this across sports, Zach. It's becoming an epidemic where guys sign these contracts and then they're saying, hey, you know what? I demand a trade. I don't want to play anymore. So why can't we have this? First of all, you don't want to play? That's fine. Don't make money. Go sit at home. I don't care. Why can't owners do that? And number two, you have these player opt-out clauses. Why can't we have owner opt-out clauses? Do you know in these seven, eight-year contracts, how many owners would opt out if they could out of these contracts, Zach? Mm-hmm. 
it, but yet it's so one-sided, but yet it's all about the owners. It's not, it's really all about the players at the end of the day. And if you're not sure about that, just check out the NBA, right? You, you can never go any period in the NBA without one player, at least being on the sidelines, demanding a trade right now. We're watching it with Damian Lillard in, uh, in Portland, where you're saying, Oh, you know, I, I signed his big contract. I'm going to be here forever. Next. I, I will only go to Miami and that's it. No, I, I'm with you. It's it's becoming absolutely ridiculous. It's it's just a, a result of the players' unions. Unions are growing strong. Unions have tons of power. Not that unions are the problem, but there is just a definitely an imbalance of power between a union and an owner organization. So, and not to mention like the buyout formula too. Why can't they at least you know change the buyout formula for the owners? Because it hurts. If you look at some, some of these buyouts, it's still hurting teams, especially in a low cap era. And the players just taking his money and running. It's just, it's hilarious. Oh, they're, they're fine. But I challenge anybody, if you go meet players and you get autographs from any of the four major sports, being the NHL, the NFL, the NBA, and MLB, the nicest players always are NHL players by far. Most down to earth relatively compared to all the other sports. But that being said, if you compare now the salary cup stru stru structures, one NFL player very often is making more than the entire NHL team. Like the NHL is so out of whack compared to all the other salaries out there in, in sports leagues. It's ridiculous. No, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, the problem is, is that it's played on ice. It needs to be in an arena that is refrigerated, freezing cold, that can have proper maintenance. Like baseball stadiums are what? How many people? 50,000? 40 to 50,000. Ridiculous. Okay. And football stadiums, similar? 70,000. Exactly. What do we get in Scotiabank? 15, 17,000. Yeah, exactly. Like you're, you're getting half to a third of the income. So you're paying your players half to a third of, well, you've maybe even less than that, but still. But think about MLB. They're playing in the, those stadiums for 162 games. You get 81 home games. NFL, you got 16 games, eight home games. And you have a quarterback making 50 million US. Yeah. And a top NHL player makes what? 13, 14 mil? Yeah, 14 mil. They have to go bust their butts out there for 82 games on the ice. And these guys are playing 16 games. Like I'm just saying relatively, it's no, pretty you're, nuts. You're, but you're so right. It's it's the old conversation about advertising money, where it's getting spent, and how the US market is bigger than the Canadian market. If I had the dollars and I was able to and I wanted to invest in what I thought was a smart uh return, an NHL team, I still think they're very undervalued. I think. There's more, the most room to grow from all the sports leagues is the NHL. And I mean, look, they're dying for sports content on these channels. Zach, when I'm waiting for Monday night raw to start, you know what I'm watching at 7 30 PM? I'm still watching poker. Well, I have it on mute <laughs> while I'm waiting for raw to start, but they're, they're literally dying for yeah. content. And here you are, you got a sports league. I'm telling you with the way they got the salary cap structure and everything else, the, the reins are going to get loosened. They're going to go to a softer cap than a hard cap and the dollars are going to fly. You watch because I guarantee you in the next 10 years, you're going to see a 20 million plus dollar player in the NHL. I hope, I hope you're right. Cause that means they're playing more games and I get to watch more hockey. And, that, and the other thing is when you think about that, 162 games is a lot of games for baseball. It I is. mean, really? I, I'm with you. I can't I, believe it. I'm a diehard myself, but can you imagine you have to be retired to be able to go to 81. I mean, who working is able to go to 81 home games, first of all? 
Yeah. And can you imagine like in a homestand of like nine games, you're going to nine games in the span of 10, 11 days. That's uh, a hard pill to swallow. That's wild. Not to mention their poor arms. Like it's, it, it's like the sport is intensive really on like three body parts. It's not like it's, you know, you're, you're using so many different facets of your body. Like it's three body parts. Could you imagine uh, their, their trainers probably make fortunes. But then imagine in baseball, you used to have pitchers that always pitch complete games, Zach. They could pitch 150, 200 pitches. Now they're capped at 100 pitches, okay? They yeah. pitch five innings, six innings. Things have gone the other way. But, like, that's where all sports, especially the NHL, you know, anybody's ever seen I, – I went to the facility, by the way. If everybody's ever gone to Gary Roberts' facility up in Newmarket, Ontario, Gary Roberts is a nut as far as health goes, and I had to go see the facility for myself. This is where the players are doing their thing in the offseason. They're not going sitting at the bar and drinking and gaining weight. They are at performance centers and they're coming in shape to training camp. And so it's a whole different ball game. And you go see what a athlete from any sport, baseball, NHL, and look at what they look like today at training camp and go look at what they look like 30 years ago, night and day. Absolutely. Wayne Gretzky always says that too. They used to smoke cigarettes and drink beers in the room. Well, I don't know if I ever seen Wayne do that, but I'll take his word. No, for not him. I'm talking about the people on his team. But yes, of course. Yes. No, Wayne Gretzky is a different breed. I have seen a couple of pictures of Gretzky with a little bit of red under his eyes and a little red nose, but maybe he just had a cold that day. <laughs> bad, Brad Tree believing now bad, Brad. Yeah. Good, bad, good, Brad. Now <laughs> I wanted to look at a couple of his moves because I got to tell you, I got really, really excited in the offseason. I don't get very excited about Toronto Maple Leafs very often, to be frank. I have these players in mind, and I'm thinking they're just not going to pull the trigger. I remember when two seasons ago, Max Domi was available, and we don't go get him, even though he wants to come here. Then you got the big bad Bruins, and what do they do? They go off and trade for Tyler Bertuzzi, who I thought was a perfect fit. Me too. And now all of a sudden, the offseason comes, and... Taylor Hall is off to the Blackhawks out of all things. So he's gone. Mm -hmm. And Bertuzzi does not return to Boston. He actually signed with the Leafs and they made it fit under the cap. Zach, these are the exact kind of players we need. I was channeling this. I know you were as well. Please rate these, these transactions for us. And how did the Leafs pull this off? I could not be happier. I, I have been waiting for a little bit of, what do they call it? Snot, piss, and vinegar to be on this team for so long. You know, not that I'm coach of the year here, but I coached a couple championship teams, assistant coach, head coach, whatever you want to call it. Okay. I was on the benches for a few different championship teams and every single team had the same thing in common. It's not just an NHL formula. Okay. Even when you're coaching 10 year old kids in single A or double A in the GTHL, you need to have snot. There needs to be, my, my little brother, he says it all the time. He goes, we don't want players who want to win. That's not the type of player we want, okay? We want somebody who hates losing, okay? We want somebody who will piss and moan at the thought of losing. Forget about wanting to win. Wanting to win is great. It's the idea that losing just pisses you off. And those guys always come to play. They're in your face. They're up your, you know what, trying to figure out where they can get the puck. Okay. Get me this puck, put this puck towards the net. And man, Bertuzzi, I love him. 
I thought when he it was hilarious too when he took um what's his face's stick in the in the round against uh Florida. Like he's just he's another one who will be right up it. And the guy's got tons of skill too. If he can stay healthy, he's gonna be a big scoop for the Leafs. And I'm sure that that's where the one year contract comes in. And Domi Domi coming here is like a fairy tale story. I don't know how the hell it took this long. Because as far as depth players, depth players that the Leafs have signed over the last few years, he's for sure better than most of them at the same pay grade. So I don't know why it took him so long to get here. I'll tell you exactly why, Zach. Yeah. Because it came to the point when he just learned to shut up and play hockey. Part of the problem was that you knew Max Domi from his mouth and the interviews he gave and not his production on the ice. Once he got over his own hype and just focused on putting his game together and you stopped hearing his voice and started seeing his actions on the ice, that's when you started to want him. And I think the Leafs had to see that's that for real because a big personality in a big city can be a recipe for disaster. That's why he was off in Dallas. That's why he was off to Chicago, kind of be in, in, in Carolina. He's a little safer over there in Toronto because of the last name that he sports on his jersey. I mean, his dad, I mean, come on, besides the fact that he was well-loved in the city as a hockey player, He's the biggest social climber known to man. This guy is in every inner circle known possible. You see pictures of him with, with David Beckham in Muskoka, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, he, he dated uh, Belinda Stronach for the longest time. This is the act that Max has to follow. And the problem yeah. is that people want to talk about his dad as much as they want to talk about him. Now, when they're kind of over his dad for a while and he's not voicing his opinion so much and he's just going and putting a grinding game. Like to me, he's the kind of guy who's going to give like hits, 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 and he's going to score you probably at least 20 goals. Like that's where I see a good Max Domi at. Bertuzzi with the line mates he's going to have, if he's semi-healthy, should get at least 25 goals. I love these these two moves. And this is exactly what we need to put together. And I was so jealous of Boston when they got Bertuzzi. I gave us a 0% chance. I thought there was no chance in hell he's going to come here. I was sure he's going to come to Boston. But funny, in Boston, losing the way they did in the playoffs, you know, the allure went off really quickly. They went from being the most magical team that's going to, they might as well hand them the, the Stanley Cup now to this is a disaster. It's an old team. It's funny how they turned overnight. It's true. And then Bergeron retires. And now you just got a bad taste in your mouth. So I'm I'm with you. I think Boston's on the decline. I think Bertuzzi saw that. And as far as, you know, top teams in the NHL goes, the Leafs are still up there. They they still, they have to be up there. And for whatever reason, they always lose to the team that ends up going to the Stanley Cup final. So it's great moves. Bertuzzi, he's going to put up 90 points this year. He's, he's going to have an unreal year. And what he's going to do, which I'm most happy about, is he is going to be up Mitch Marner's butt. Because at the end of the day, like to me, Bertuzzi is playing first line. That's just the way it is. Matthew Nyes is not going to be playing first line anymore. You got Bertuzzi up there with Matthews and Marner. It's your certified first line. Stay healthy. And that should be the line you play 82 games with post or in the preseason and roll with into the playoffs. And he's going to open the ice up for Marner. He's going to be up Marner's you-know-what. And he's going to plant his butt in front of the net and just let Matthews and Marner wire pucks. So I am I could not be happier. And Domi, up and down the lineup. The guy's a chameleon. He can play anywhere. His game and style of play, his skill set, 
he'll be good first line, first line, second line, third line, fourth line. No, I don't want him on the first line because, like I said, Bertuzzi. But don't you, but think? you never know. You never know. Depends on how they play. People are injured. Blah blah blah. It could happen. Uh, I'm very excited about the season. Like even Samsonov. Remember, Samsonov right up until December was one A one B with Matt Murray. There was no guarantees of who was going to be the number one until Murray kind of faded there, and you know we won't go get into that. But uh, he comes into camp knowing he's the number one guy. And Wall played really well. And I think this is a case where you can have, I think they're going to split it uh, 60, you know, kind of go 65, 35% split, you know, mm-hmm. for every two that Samsonov plays, Wall plays one. I think they need to keep Samsonov fresh. This mm-hmm. is not, you cannot have out there 70 games. But mm-hmm. um, you know what? Uh, I'm excited. Uh, one that I did read about though recently, got to ask you come opening season. Our old friend Jack Campbell. You think he's going to be in the Oilers uh, system? Is he going to be still wearing an Oilers uniform, or you think they're going to trade him for another bad contract? Where do you see going with Campbell? He's a hard one, right? Because who's going to take his contract? He he. Very bad last contract year, for bad contract. That's how I see it. Okay, but what kind of bad contract? The only bad contracts you're going to take now are just going to be high cap, right? High cap, too much term, which is exactly what he has. I don't. I'd like to see who would even take him on. And, you know, for that, you're going to have to pay a boatload. Like you're talking multiple high round picks to get rid of, you know, what's left of a five and change by four, right? That's that's a big boatload. I'm sure they're trying to get rid of him because there really isn't much of a reason to keep him at this point. Um, but the, the Oilers, the Oilers to me, they're, they're a weird situation because they could be a really, really good team. And, you know, the at home move and everything last year, really kind of gave them that extra push, but fizzled out again. And I, I just, I don't know. I had an Edmonton Toronto final. Are they that different than the Penguins when it comes down to it? I mean, not having the depth, goaltending being, eh, you know, two major stars. I, I, I think they're all kind of in the same boat here, you know, and that's where, you know, Vegas, yeah. think how much depth Vegas has, you know, and they got everybody yeah. back for the playoffs. Tampa had the same thing. It's, it's all about depth, but, uh, where depth doesn't seem to matter and people don't seem to care is in the goalie position because, you know, Linus Allmark was absolutely stellar. Then he falls apart. Bobrovsky wakes up all of a sudden. Then he falls apart in the finals. And correct me if I'm wrong, is Connor Hellebuck not still a Winnipeg Jet? Yeah, no, that that's, that to me is going to be a big one. What's I he doing? What's gonna... he doing in Winnipeg still? Can he find his way out of town? Like what's going on I, there? I think they're waiting. I don't think there's a rush. rush and I think they're going to get an absolute fortune. Like a king's ransom for him. I feel like NHL. I think that NHL teams, Zach, they don't value the goalie position as much as they used to. Like we don't have a Martin Brodeur per se. You know, no. you have you have, you know you have a couple of great guys, obviously in Tampa and Allmark, etc. But reality is, a lot of these goaltenders are just these middling guys, and you know what? They're all in about the same stats, and nobody's that you know, caring about it. They're not going to waste their salary cap on a goaltender. And they're like, you know what? I'll just bring up a young guy to be my backup and keep a veteran guy going. And this is, seems to be consistent across the league. Like the goaltending position has really evolved over the years. I think, I think the goaltending position has evolved. I think it's become like the goaltending job has become so much harder, but you know, I was having this discussion with my buddy the other day because like, you know, teams with moderately good goaltending have been winning one-offs. Avalanche, you know, Vegas did too, I'm sorry, but Aiden Hill is not, you know, 
Andre Vasilevsky. And the one thing he said to me that kind of sit it, sat in with me, and I, I could see where he was going was, you don't necessarily need the best goaltending to win a Stanley Cup anymore in the NHL, but you need the best goaltending to be in the fight every year to create that dynasty. Like, you know, Tampa Bay, it's the first time they've been out of the first round in, what, seven years? Vasilevsky's a, st a stunner, right? When Pittsburgh was in the run every year, Marc-Andre Fleury was a stunner, right? You have you, ha you have to have that, that extra Boston. Tuka Rask, another team. Boston's always been in the play, in the hunt, and they had to grasp for years and years and years. So I think when you have that kind of caliber goalie, you'll always be in the fight and you'll always have a chance to win. But, you know, like the Avalanche last year, what did they do, right? Um, so I think I think it's interesting. Vegas, what they, didn't they miss the playoffs the year before last? Yeah, but then, so, but they still kept themselves rolling, you know, and they keep finding a way. And it's funny because, you know, they end up with goalie, goaltender number four, and still find right. a way to win the Stanley Cup where every other team would would implode with goalie number three, which I got to ask you, have we seen the last of Robin Leonard? Is he going to be golfing definitely with Matt Murray or rebuilding a snake farm? Where do you think, what do you think is going to be happening with Robin Leonard? Like, I don't think he was good enough to come back, if I'm being completely honest. You know, like the headaches that he's caused. It, it, it's hard to say no because of Evander Kane. Right, like when Evander Kane came back, I mean, no one saw it coming. He was a good hockey player. Don't get Dan me wrong. Dan Milstein did. Yeah, Dan Milstein. That's right. Dan Milstein did. But Robin Leonard, you want if, if you're not represented by him, call up Dan Milstein. There's uh, one man. Gold Star Hockey, and uh, he will find a way for you. Robin Leonard is one of those guys. You know, they say like a million dollar talent and a ten cent brain, and that's where it kind of. I feels like that Max Domi comment I made, where sometimes you just gotta shut up and play. You know. Don't worry about snake farms and all this stuff. Just go and worry about hockey and that's it. And just focus on hockey. And I feel like when you have a lot of distractions off the ice, especially from a personal standpoint, in the goalie position, it's all mental. So you yeah. got 10 million thoughts up there. The last thing you're thinking about is stopping pucks. So, and he's talked about his mental health issues before on another note. So if I'm a betting man right now, I don't see him playing another game, but I could be wrong it's i'm with you that's my initial thought the only like underlying like little thing nagging at me is the fact that i think he just claimed bankruptcy in three different states or whatever it was um so you know he's gonna have 10 million thoughts and the first 10 million of them are gonna be how am i putting food on the table um so he, he may have no choice but to start playing hockey again and keep his mouth shut and you know obviously there's a factor of his mental health which you can't dispute it is what it is up there unfortunately and he needs the help that he the or whatever help he needs but um he may have no choice we'll see who knows if you're the maple leafs and and robin laner gets released and yep. he's 100 percent healthy he's past the bankruptcies everything's good from a legal standpoint and he's 100 percent healthy and he's more motivated than ever do you take a chance on him signing for the minimum or you pass Signing for the minimum, maybe, but for a guy who's publicly open about his mental health struggles, which, you know, there's no shame in that. There's majority of people in this world have mental health struggles, but I don't know if the majority of people in the world with mental health struggles will try and sign up in the biggest pressure cooker there is in hockey. So, and, and this is funny because he does struggle, but on the other hand, he keeps asking for the microphone and then keeps blabbering to the reporters. So, it's one of those things I'd have in the contract. As long as you can kind of keep your interviews down to 30 seconds or less, we'd be good to go. But with his talent, 
I mean, think about it. Vegas gave up Flurry to keep him around. Like that to me just didn't make sense. I still don't think he's better than Flurry, but who knows? I, I, he was a guy that at the time, remember the Leafs did acquire him for three seconds and then flipped him, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think he would have been a great number three goalie at the time. But say uh, la vie. As we wrap up today's episode, Zach, we covered a lot of gauntlet today in NHL hockey. I got to ask you. Do you see the Leafs making any other moves between now and training camp? Absolutely. You do, eh? Yeah, absolutely. They need, they need, and he knows it. They need two big defensemen. That's the Leafs need. They thank God they moved on from Justin Hole. I could not be happier. Um, but Giordano is a seven eight at best, and I think they're looking to move Brody for whatever reason. I don't think. I think part of the reason Tree Living or Brody left Calgary is because of Tree Living. So. I think they're looking to move him too, which at five million bucks last year, Brody wasn't worth five million bucks. So I still think that they got two more moves on defense, on forward. I don't see much more going on because they've already gotten such great depth signings. Um, and they have like they have a pretty good farm team, right? Like, you know, the Bobby McMahons have got to play. The Matthew Nyes, they've 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 got to play. So well, he's playing. You know, There's no doubt the Nice is gonna have a big rookie season. I see. I, I hope so too. Fifty five points for him. I would be so happy with that. Not to mention, I see a situation where Nylander's gone before the season starts. Really? Yeah. I mean, from a cap standpoint, if you can get more depth, I mean, somebody's going to have to go. They can't keep all these guys forever, right? No, and he wants $10 million bucks. He's not worth $10 million bucks. So you're predicting that when we have opening night, William Nylander is not going to be a Toronto Maple Leaf? I, I am predicting that by the end of the season, William Nylander will not be a Maple Leaf. If the Leafs are smart, if Tree Living is smart, that at some point this year he'll be moved. And if he's really smart, it'll be before this year starts. And it's interesting, from a cap standpoint, you have to have the cap ready for opening opening night. So mm -hmm. training camp's a whole different creature. There's going to be a lot of teams that are going to have to shuffle contracts around, move people to the minors, etc., I think if the Leafs are going to make any more moves, I think we're going to see them more closer to training camp, and I think they're going to try to skim off people's rosters where they can. But I agree with you. they got to get a couple more defensemen in there and just get a little more depth. Um, if I had to bet one guy's going to go between the big three from the forward standpoint, I, I, and it's a shame because he played so well for us last year, but I would agree with you, Nylander is the one to go. It's mm -hmm. not going to be Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews, he's going to get that $15 million contract. I hope it's not 15 I I'm, I, I heard at one point it was 12-5, and then suddenly it's 13-5, and then it's 13-8. But, like, he has said he's going to sign, and Duba said he will never play on it, be in another GM. So it's hard to believe these things. But, you know, I think I'd be pretty happy. I don't know. Like, if, if, the, Leafs, if the Leafs just posted, we got Austin back four years, 13.5 million, how would you feel? I'd be okay with that. I'd be very okay with that, but... You know, it's it's just, it's funny because in relative terms, on our other program on the, the Chosen Journey with Steve Carsey, we were talking that Shohei Otani in baseball is a free agent this year, and five hundred million dollars is the floor. Okay, yeah. and there is talk that somebody's going to pony up close to a billion dollars, one billion dollars. But let's say it's going to be between five hundred to seven hundred million, and here we are, nickel and diming twelve and a half million to fifteen million dollars. NHL, it lives in its own world, Zach, because if this was any other sport, they would just write the check and move on. I, I'm with you. I don't know. They, they got to figure it out. You got to get rid of Gary Bettman first, then see how it goes. Guess what? 
Bettman got the cap in for the owners, somehow beat the union for that. No other union would agree to that. I think Bettman is in for life considering what he brought to the owners. Remember, at the end of the day, commissioners work for the owners, not for the players. And from every other sport, they look at, I mean, think about in the NFL, when you have all your quarterbacks making 50 million a year and now they're going towards guaranteed contracts, you got to say, you know what, the NHL is actually doing something right there. Yeah, maybe so. That's a good perspective as well. And, you know, uh, for you know, we get very spoiled in Toronto when we go to watch our games. But guess what? We go to a lot of other hockey arenas. They're not all sold out every night. It's a different... I think how many teams, you know, got moved and realigned, etc. simply because they couldn't draw anybody. I, I was talking to a buddy of mine in Atlanta, and he said, yeah, I could get Thrasher's tickets any day of the week. Nobody even knew the team was around. Well, then that's another part. That's another thing to be had. Get rid of some of these teams. Like, why is Arizona still an NHL team? I don't get it. Hold on. They're going to buy a plot of land out in Mesa, and they're going to get a whole new arena. Oh, yeah, by 2045. I just got back from Arizona, and I got to tell you, Zach, you cannot tell that there is a hockey team there. There's no sign of them whatsoever. You can see the Cardinals. You can see the Diamondbacks. You can see the Phoenix Suns are everywhere. I would say as far as popularity goes, the Suns are number one over there. You have no clue there's a hockey team in that city. No, the university didn't even know about them when they asked to play there. Different world, my friend. But then remember, the Canadian Football League once had teams in the U.S. too. So, yeah. Times, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Times times were different. Well, you may, but, still get a, may still get expansion teams into Hamilton one day, and we may still get that Quebec City team, so you never, ever know. I'm waiting for that. I don't know why they haven't yet, but I'm waiting for that. Zachary Rain of Rain Finance, thank you today. Today we, we totally sat on hockey. There was no money talk whatsoever except for NHL cap dollars talk, but we love your wisdom, your smiling face. You know, we encourage the viewers to send in their comments. And believe me, they love to comment on your uh, hockey knowledge and your insights. Yeah. And uh, how is the world in finance and life otherwise? Um, yeah, thank you for having me. The, I, I love being here and I love reading some of, the, some of their comments. Um, and, you know, the world of finance, the world of finance, if we're being completely honest, um, is looking a little scary for some people. And that's okay. Um because as as a as a superhero nerd, I the night is always darkest just before the dawn, right? So it's scary, but there's hope. Um, there are good people out there. Hopefully, like I can tout myself as one of them who are looking to help you guys. Um, you know, get get through the next year or two, um, and then after that, we'll be uphill, and hopefully, we are moving fast. So. Uh, the world in brain finance is great. Lots of people still need insurance, still need financial planning, still need investments. So uh, be be sure to reach out if you guys need anything and enjoy summer. I think it's I think it's Europe Euro summer right now, right? It's Everybody's in Europe. It's boiling hot. That's all I'm saying. People are actually traveling as this is in August. But uh, folks, you have the contact information below. You can leave your comments. On this episode, you can reach out to Zachary Rain of Rain Finance for hockey comments, money comments, life comments. We value your opinion, all of you, even the funny ones. And Zachary Rain, we'll have you back real soon on The Chosen Life. Thank you again for your insights. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure.